Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I am your host, Milton Host. Talking about, no one will get that, will they? No one will get that. You know what I'm talking about there? Do you? Do you really know about the New York Met broadcast for all those years? How about that? I thought you were just some guy. I'm not. That's great. So I am your host, Mark Rifto, and uh, the Milton host thing via PDQ box just popped into my head, and I thought I'd, and we may edit this out. Hell, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether Nick leaves this in. We're talking to Nikki Sims. Nikki's at Atlanta Barbell. She's one of our staff coaches, terribly instrumental in the delivery of this method on uh, our seminar schedule. And uh, Nikki, thanks for being with us again. Thanks for having me. We started a conversation last time about, uh, about the value of objective criteria in terms of designing training programs. So I thought we'd pick back up where we left off and talk about the, uh, the importance of being uh, analytical and objective when we design our way to do these exercises and when we design our way to program these exercises into, into, our, into our schedule, our training schedule. Uh, so, Nikki, talk to us a little bit now about uh, just exactly what it means to uh, design a way to do a squat, for example, and why. Okay, so if we're coming up with our way to analyze a squat being objective, um, we have to look at how, how we squat to produce more force because we're trying to get stronger. So to get stronger, we have to do a movement that satisfies a few criteria. We want to incorporate the most amount of muscle possible during that movement. And okay. Why is that? We need muscles to produce force. Why is that important? Because that's how we produce force against something. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, couldn't we just use three exercises instead of one? Might take longer, huh? It might take longer. It might take longer. Um, and it doesn't work. So, yeah, you're, you only have so much time. <laughs> yeah. There is a certain yeah. amount of time in a, in a professional training appointment. And you at home, training in your garage, the toast is burning. Yeah. Right. The, yeah, there's other stuff you want to be doing than doing stove, leg curls and extensions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> got dates to go on, you might as well just squat. <laughs> just squat, since yeah. squatting works all of it anyway. Right. And uh, I think that, uh, oh, those of you that are watching this have, have read our book and uh, are familiar enough with the fact that uh, a full range of motion exercise working uh, the uh, greatest amount of muscle mass possible relies on the fact that your skeletal anatomy, your musculoskeletal anatomy is the thing that sorts out how much muscle mass gets used in an exercise. And we want to maximize that. There's a way to design the squat so that it assigns more work to each one of these kinetic chain structures. And therefore, you can design the squat in order to work the most muscle mass. 
And uh, this seems like a good idea, just from the standpoint of how much time have we got. Yeah. And more importantly, how effective that exercise is. Because if you strengthen the hamstrings in the context of the way the hamstrings are normally used in normal human movement, that makes a lot more sense than to try to strengthen the hamstrings on a leg curl machine, which doesn't ever occur in human movement. That is, after all, why they had to design the machine to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, yeah. one, that's one aspect of, of designing these criteria. Yeah, is efficiency <laughs> and how things, how your body naturally moves with your own skeleton right. and levers at play. Right. So that first criteria is muscle mass, the amount of muscle, muscle mass, mass mm-hmm. in each one of the exercises. Mm-hmm. But why don't we, to a squat, why don't we squat ass to grass? Why don't we go all the way down? And why don't we, maybe why don't we do quarter squats? You know, we could have different depths in a squat. Right. Why would we pick one over the other? Why a certain range of motion, in other words? Mm-hmm. Because, and the answer to that is, you know, if you've been on the boards or read the book, you train more muscle, or you can train a, a muscle group effectively, or you can go to a point in your range of motion where it's no longer effective across a range of motion. So now you're just moving without using all of your muscle mass. You're kind of wasting stuff. Right. So if you, you do a quarter squat, you're not really getting any hips at all. You're just gonna end up messing up your knees, and you may be able to move more weight, but you're totally leaving out tons of muscle mass. So overall, as a system, you are not getting stronger. And in contrast, ass to grass requires most normal human beings to relax lots and lots of things in order to obtain that extra eight inches of range of motion. So we're, our analysis involves an optimal range of motion. The longest effective range of motion is the one we're looking for. And if we combine these two criteria, in other words, we work the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion, satisfying both those criteria allows us to lift the greatest amount of weight and therefore get stronger because strength is about one thing and one thing only, and that is force production. One of the most aggravating things that you will see on YouTube comments and other sources on the internet that concentrate the greatest amount of human stupidity in the tiniest little globs of text is there are many different kinds of strength. Why, (laughs) Nikki, there are many different kinds of strength. We, you know, there are as many kinds of strength as there are people who want to get strong. <laughs> Why, there are as many suns in the sky as there are people seeing that sun in the sky. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it just, <laughs> it's just, it's boys and girls, there's one kind of strength. And that kind of strength is the strength that you use to produce force against an external resistance, period. We're not talking about strength of materials. We're not talking about strength of character. We're not talking about the strength of your faith. We're talking about production of force against external resistance. That's the quantitative definition of strength. If we lift heavier weights in a way 
that causes us to use the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion, then we have more effectively produced an increase in strength than if we do it any other way. And, and you can measure it. You can see it on the bar every time you go in, assuming you're a novice. <laughs> and if you write it down, you can see it in your book. Yeah. And that is an extremely powerful display, 10 workouts across two pages of written recording and the numbers go up the numbers just go up that yeah. means that the client has gotten value for the money that means you as a trainee have made quantifiable improvement because you have decided to apply objective criteria that force you to make an, ad an adaptation to the stress that we have designed uh, for you as part of this training. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we apply this rationale to the execution of the exercises themselves, then what happens, Nick? I mean, sometimes the low bar squat is, uh, is kind of a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah, it can be hard. <laughs> it's, uh, in fact, my observation is, and I don't know, you've worked enough of these seminars to where you're certainly entitled to an opinion, but my observation is, is that the most trouble we have with any of the five exercises during the weekend mm -hmm. is almost always, for most people, the correct execution of our squat. It's complicated. It's easy to do the squat wrong. It's almost impossible to do a deadlift wrong once you've, shown, once you've been shown the easy way to do a deadlift. But a squat is terribly difficult to coach. It's difficult to perform. It's quite a challenge. But it's worth learning right. because, of the, because of the aforementioned analysis. It's yeah. worth learning it that way because it works better. When you do it our way, it works better. It may not feel good to you. It may not, it may not be easy for your coach to... Uh, but it'll feel good when you look back in your log a year ago and see that you started with 95 pounds and are now squatting, you know, 375. 375, 405. <laughs> that feels better than anything else that you can feel yeah. is, the, uh, is the objective results that are logged in your training, uh, training record in terms of the amount of force that you are producing as a result of having followed objective criteria in exercise uh, execution. So squat is kind of the problem. Why do you think that is, Nick? Why is, it, why is our, our low, bar, <laughs> low bar squat so damned hard to teach? Leaning over is hard. <laughs> Leaning, Leaning over with a bar on your back is harder than staying upright and dropping to the bottom of a squat. Right. Controlling yourself to get into that position and maintain tension takes focus it takes you know really investing in how you're moving yourself and it takes someone telling you what to do it's like you said you can squat incorrectly and still get away with it but it's not necessarily better so no it 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 is it is certainly not better but but the thing that we fight the thing that we fight is people come into the seminar for our coaching people come into the seminar for our coaching people who've read the book people who are prepared who still want a vertical back angle in the squat because it's very difficult 
to counter all of this uninformed propaganda about from your physical therapist, from your doctor, from your LVN down the street, from the, the certified personal trainers at Gold's Gym that tell you that in order to avoid shearing your back, in order for you not to do this to your spine, that you have to stay upright. That is a very powerful um, piece of advice. It burrows its way into your head. It builds an image of the squat in your mind that has, is of a vertical back angle. And our analysis tells us that not only is this incorrect, it is far safer to go ahead for your knees, back, everything involved, for you to just go ahead and assume a more horizontal back angle when you squat because that satisfies our criteria, our analysis better than mm -hmm. keeping an upright back angle. Yeah. And a lot of times when I see someone new with who's trying to keep an upright back angle is usually way overdone extension of the back. Yeah that at the bottom of the squat just turns into flexion. And you know, neither of those are good when you have a load on your back. Right. So while they're trying to maintain this vertical position, they think they're tightening their back, they're actually going about it dangerously. Yeah, they're, 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 their back angle is more vertical, but they failed to keep their lumbar in extension. This is something right. we deal with all the, time. all the time. That's the first thing to fix on pretty much everybody. <laughs> Right, and every one of the other lifts that we do have been uh, uh, at our at our seminar. We go into great detail explaining why we do them this way at the seminar. I don't know that we can we have enough time in the, in the space of a podcast to go over the details of each one of these exercises in terms of redesigning that exercise to more closely fit our analysis. But in fact, that's what we've done. Uh, there are better ways and worse ways to do everything. And if you're not capable of understanding that, then you need to spend some time with the Lord and, and pray about this and understand that there are better ways to squat to produce strength than front squatting or than making your back squat look like a front squat. Yeah. Okay, and that same is true for the press, the bench press, especially the pulls off the ground. There's so mm -hmm. much confusion on the pulls off the ground. Today is the 29th of the 30th of June. Uh, those of you watching this podcast in the far distant future will have already seen the video that went up today, no doubt the first of many, that demonstrate the effectiveness of our style of pulling off the floor as opposed to trying to pull off the floor with a vertical back angle and the bar somewhere over there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, give that, you know, those of you watching in the far distant future, look back through the archives on whatever archive method has been developed over the, the subsequent 100 years and uh, see if you can find that video. It'll be crumbly and faded, I'm sure, but it will still be very informative. And those of you watching within the, the vicinity of this date, it's on the board. Go look it up. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so as far as uh, uh, 
Exercise execution is concerned. I think we've pretty much covered that. Why do we want to do three sets of five, Nikki? What if we'd be? What if it feels better to do eight or ten or three? Well, it doesn't just doesn't really matter how you feel. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't. <laughs> so if we're trying to, like you said, produce force because we're trying to get stronger. Getting stronger is the ability to produce force. We can kind of look at that on a range of your maximum effort on something like absolute force. That's kind of your one rep, one rep max situation. Then we have, you know, your 20 rep, your, your cardio squats, your endurance squats. There's a zone in there that produces a better stress to build your overall capacity to produce force upon something. And it tends to be in the five range, you know, doing sets of 20, isn't going to make you very much better at doing one heavy single. Doing one heavy single isn't really going to make you better at doing a set of 20. You know, we have to find a range to train with that produces a more effective force for adaptation, to create adaptation. And we've just found that fives, in addition to being really fun to say, do that better. <laughs> I really hate you people. <laughs> I don't have a Texas accent. I don't okay. even know. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fobs. I don't say that. I'm not going to say it. God, it's F A H B E S. I just want idiots. No. <laughs> five. That's the way I always pronounce the word five. Mm. Five. <laughs> You know, I was recently, somebody, who was that smartass that said something, I was pronouncing the word what wrong? What? Like W-H-A-T? W-H-A-T, they wanted me to say what, not what. <laughs> that H is apparently silent. That was at the New York seminar. The New Yorkers. <laughs> New Yorkers were, were bothering me about what? what. How do you say W-H-A-T? What? What? All right, yeah. I'm wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, all right, well, so we're, we're going to program our, our stuff according to objective criteria as well. And uh, decades of experience have taught us that fives, fives, work better for almost everybody, in fact, for almost everybody, for almost their entire training uh, career, is fives are very, very valuable. Uh, twos and threes, ones, singles, doubles, triples, become important to taper for a meet, but for long-term progress, fives have been the uh, staple for decades, for decades, yeah. far before I ever was even hatched. Yeah, People, this isn't like a new concept. No, fives aren't <laughs> like, new. Five, we didn't invent anything. fives. You guys that want to think that, yeah. you know, we, you know, came up with this stuff. No, people have been doing fives for a hundred years because they work, <laughs> because they work. The yeah. way you prove this to yourself is do something else for a while and then come back to fives and how'd you get stronger? And then do something else for a while and then come back to fives and see for yourself. Mm -hmm. This isn't complicated, okay? Yeah. Fives just work. The reasons for fives working are the subject of discussion, but the fact of the matter is that fives work and if you stay with fives in your programming, that's what you do. Yeah. And as a result of that fact, we design our programs to reflect fives as a predominant training stress. 
That's the rep variable that we normally settle on for most exercises, is fast because it works. And once again, do we care how we feel about this? Not really. <laughs> Feelings are rather unimportant. Although, you know, just as a general observation about modern society, uh, we are trying to turn ourselves from a society of thinkers into a society of feelers. Mm -hmm. And I predict that that will not end well. <laughs> That's my prediction. Nikki, thanks for joining us. Damn thanks it. Thanks for having me, guys. Damn it. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. And, thanks for uh, having me. Thanks for listening I, to me. I just thought of something else to talk about. So we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk again soon, okay? Okay. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, come back, see us again. Thanks.